Welcome to another distinct nostalgia by MIM. Brought to you in partnership with Life Rooms and Mersey Care NHS Foundation Trust. Staying well, staying home. Now we're continuing our celebration of great British comedy. It's actually 42 years ago this week since classic BBC sitcom Butterflies first aired on BBC Two. Starring Wendy Craig as Rhea and the late Geoffrey Palmer as her husband Ben, it also starred an actor who would become a huge name in another sitcom. Yes, Butterflies provided an early outing for Nicholas Lyndhurst, later of course in Only Fools and Horses. Nicholas was one of Rhea's 20-something sons and played the part alongside the late Andrew Hall, who was Russell. Rhea was a frustrated Middle England housewife who loved her husband and kids but was basically bored with her lot. She craved excitement and adventure and that essentially was what the sitcom written by Carla Lane was all about. Well, the show's star, the wonderful Wendy Craig, has been telling us all about her butterflies days. She's been reminiscing with Ashley in an interview recorded shortly before the sad death of her co-star, Geoffrey Palmer. Wendy Craig, thank you very much indeed for taking the time out to speak to uh, Distinct Nostalgia um, about your illustrious uh, career. It's lovely to talk to you. And the main thing we want to talk about, actually, um, because we're doing a series mainly on classic British comedy. So we want to talk a bit about um, butterflies, but we'll obviously touch on other things as well but let's start there shall we um in the 1970s and and butterflies carla lane of course wrote butterflies and up to that point she'd had um success with the liver birds in the early 70s and she'd also done quite a lot of uh episodes of bless this house and all sorts of things um and they were sort of you know traditional sort of um sitcoms but then came along butterflies which was a little bit different really because it was quite dark in a way take us back um to what you first you know what was mooted to you originally about butterflies how did you first first hear about it i first heard about it when um carla got in touch with me and said that she um had was writing this series and um she would very much like me to be involved. She said she called it a situation tragedy rather than a situation comedy, if you see what I mean. And uh, But she said, there is a really nice part for you and I think you'd be able to do it. And she turned up at my house and we sat down with tea and she brought some scripts and we talked about it. And um, she said that it does have a, a quite serious and dark side but then she often found dark serious things really quite funny <laughs> she had a wonderful sense of humor you see the fun in most things um and uh so i read the scripts and thought they were wonderful um very special writing quite heightened dialogue not the normal sort of run of the mill scripts one got sent and I was so excited and said, oh, absolutely, would love to do it. And, and that's how it came about. OK, well, we'll talk a bit more about butterflies in a moment, um, because that's that's the one we really want to focus on. But you were no stranger to sitcoms, were you? You'd done a fair few in the sort of, well, late, sorry, the late 60s and early 70s. Tell us a little bit about them. Um, I started off wanting to be the full dramatic actress, and I did a lot of very serious plays, and uh, I did some comedy in the theatre, but um, mostly I did uh, quite serious stuff. And we met a man who wrote situation comedies called Richard Waring, and we became great friends. My husband, myself, and he and his wife used to go out to dinner, and we were great pals. And he said one day, you know, there's a, a comedian lurking inside you, I'm going to write you a pilot um, and see if we can get it on. And um, I'm going to make you a comedian. <laughs> and I thought, actually, I do love making people laugh. So that would be a joy. And he wrote a pilot for a, a program called Not in Front of the Children. 
And um, it was another mum. I always play mums. It was another mum and um, her family and just their everyday lives. Well, uh, that was a great success, actually. It, it was a big hit. And I did it for several seasons. And uh, after that, I was asked to do another situation. Well, Thames Television sort of poached me away and said, we'd like you to do one for us. And I thought, oh, how am I being um, you know, disloyal to the BBC? But the BBC hadn't offered me anything else. So I said, yeah, okay, that's fine. And they came up with a series about a widow uh, and her two sons and how she managed on her own. And, and, you know, sort of, well, it's the sort of thing that happens a lot these days, one parent family thing. And um, that too was very successful and it went on for several series and then it became Mother Makes Five because I did eventually meet somebody um really nice husband um uh, married him and um he had a, a little girl and we became mother makes five and that again ran for several series so yes i i had done quite a lot of comedy by the time carla approached me with, with butterflies yeah and as you say you used to have, um yeah you 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 were being sort of typecast early on as as mother weren't you 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 were you're sort of playing mother and i suppose the next you know the next stage to playing a mother was the kind of mother that you were playing in uh, as rear in in butterflies it's quite interesting looking back at that progression from not in front of the children and mother makes three and mother makes five to, to, to butterflies what do you think it was or what do you think it is about you and your character that um sort of makes you fit into that sort of uh role do you think i don't really know i think um i think not in front of the children was just a, an idea that richard had i was the right age for it i was the right type for it kind of middle class woman and uh as it got older i sort of then drifted as it were into the middle aged mother of the two boys in butterflies and it was just a sort of age progression really but the character in not in front of the children was did have that sort of scattiness about her which of course uh, Rhea had as well yes but Rhea was a much more serious person than Jennifer um she was a much more serious person and I think the scripts were much more serious obviously written by a different person altogether I, d I don't really know how it happened that I always ended up as mum, but I did. <laughs> and and, and you, when you look back, you're happy to have been so, because, I mean, they were, you know, groundbreaking comedies in, in, in their own way. We'll be back after a quick break. You still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel me? Loading them up on. It, it only takes structure. And, and, you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah. Nah, I mean. So do do your homies uh got a role in your in your little? You mean? Yeah, yeah. We all we all artists over here, man. I'm trying. Oh, yeah. I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah. Yeah. Look, look, look. We all artists, man. We go. You feel me? We gonna have this like. Bro, me and my man, like me and my man Kyle, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> shit. Right now. This I gotta lie, we play with this shit right now for for. Don't play with it. Take that shit seriously. Well, all three of them were different. They were all different, um, but they all had that same basic thing of a woman bringing up her children, sometimes with a husband and sometimes without, yes. Some of those comedies that were done in the 60s, uh, sadly, the way uh, things were recorded and, and filmed and whatever back then, it means there's actually quite a lot of episodes that aren't around anymore, isn't it? Which is, which is quite sad because, you know, I think, I think in... Um, in, in in the first one, not in front of the children. There's only sort of you know a few episodes of each series that that, that exist now. So it's rather sad that we we, we can't see these things in, in a way, isn't it? Well, yes, I suppose it depends on the way you look at it. <laughs> um, yes, uh, 
it would be nice to have them around, but it was like that. I mean, you would do a, a wonderful play live on television that was an hour and a half play for today or something like that. And there was no record of it. They, ne- they didn't keep them. Even if they were recorded, they eventually just um, wiped them, you know. And there's some marvellous stuff being wiped. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. It, it's really, it's really sad that some of them uh, just disappeared. But of course, with um, with that first one, you did actually uh, end up doing it eventually for radio as well, if I remember rightly. You ended up on Radio Two, and then I think it's been repeated in recent times on BBC Radio Four Extra. So it's had some of the scripts have had um, sort of new uh, incarnations, haven't they? Yes, I agree with you there. So many people have said to me, oh, I heard you the other day doing Not in Front of the Children. And I said, where did you hear that? Oh, BBC Radio 4. Um, we love it. 4 Extra. We love it. And they they have all these lovely old shows uh, that they've brought to life again so everyone can hear them again and have a good laugh and reminisce and be filled with nostalgia. Absolutely, absolutely. There's always uh, room for nostalgia, which is why we uh, we're doing this uh, th- this podcast now. Um, okay, so so butterflies came along, and it was Carla Lane doing the writing. Now there weren't, I mean, there were female writers around, but there weren't many female writers that were doing mainstream things, and and she was blazing a trail. Was Carla? So uh, it must have felt great to be embarking on something which was. Uh, being, you know, not just about uh, you know, a woman having difficulties and all the rest of it, but was actually being written by by a woman uh, at that time. It was. It was very exciting. Yes, there weren't many women writers around. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, so it did feel very special. I think we were all a bit aware of that. Um, the, the fellas in the show as well, you know, they were very excited and they loved Carla and... and found working with her very thrilling. She came to rehearsals a lot of the time and um, she helped a lot in the direction and the production and what have you. And um, yes, it, it, it was very, very special. She was quite a character, Carla, wasn't I? I had the chance to meet her in later years and, and she, she was definitely a character. Oh, she was a wonderful character. She was, yeah, yeah, she was brilliant. Very intelligent, very sensitive, full of energy. I I really was very, very fond of her. I I really enjoyed her company. And we used to go out for supper together and things like that. And she had all these animals and I like animals as well. And she had lovely dogs and in her flat she had rabbits and guinea pigs and tortoises and all sorts of things was full of animals and then of course she bought this vast mansion and um had an animal sanctuary there and saved so many poor creatures from certain death and uh yeah she's much to be admired in many ways coming soon to distinct nostalgia do you want a cup of tea i'll have half a cup and that caught on. Yeah, that became a kind of catchphrase, I think. It was the hilarious film of 1999. It wasn't anything to do with race or religion or creed or colour. It was as simple as an art student who thinks he's all free and easy creating a model of a vagina and showing it to his mum and thinking that that's going to be okay. East is East by Ayub Khan Din broke new ground by portraying a relationship between a British woman and her Asian husband and their mixed-race family growing up in Salford in the early 1970s. A clash of cultures and generations ensues. Oh, frig off and wash your bastard curtains, you dirty cow. And I swear to God, that's one of the best lines I've ever had to say in my life. But the film had a serious side too, tackling both racism and domestic violence. I threw myself and put all my physical strength into trying to stop him, and I couldn't. In Helsinki, they were saying, I can't believe you've made this film. 
it's incredible because it's showing what life is like for us now. A series of special interviews with Linda Bassett, Leslie Nickel, and Chris Bisson as we mark this classic British film's 21st birthday. It was a great script and it was a timely thing to tell because it hadn't been told before. They've done all sorts of incredible things to transport you back in time to give you an authentic feel of what it was like. East is East at 21. Coming soon to Distinct Nostalgia. Hello and welcome to The Likely Dads, a new series that looks at parenting from the paternal perspective. I'm always wary of people who plan kids. If your life's that structured, stay away from me, we're not going to get on. <laughs> a brand new show from the team behind Distinct Nostalgia. I'm Tim Vincent and each week I'll be joined by my fellow Likely Dads, Mick Ferry and Russell Kane, as well as a series of special guests to discuss different aspects of fatherhood. When a man has an urge to have a, a child, it's not spoken about much, women sort of own this area. <laughs> we're sort of open it was going to be like the old films I watched where I'd just have a pipe and I'd be in a study. You just go, you're going to see your father now for ten minutes. <laughs> Hello, children, what have you been up to today? I'm not interested. All right, off to bed. <laughs> An MIM production for BBC Radio 4. We hope you'll join us and subscribe to The Likely Dads on BBC Sounds. Very, very interesting uh, character. And she did, you know, not just butterflies, but some fantastic... Um, a whole range of sitcoms when you think about it. So do you know whether um, Carla had based this character of Rhea on somebody she knew or was it from her own experiences? Where do you think that the Rhea came from? I have no idea. I think it was just a creation. She just, you know, she was very, very creative and uh, I, I think perhaps she felt a bit of sympathy for her, <laughs> for, for Rhea. Um, but no, it came out of her, her wonderful writing mind. Of, of course, yeah. I mean, I, and, and it's a fantastic creation. Now, Rhea basically, you know, is massively put upon by everybody, not just by, you know, by her husband, by the kids. I mean, I watched some episode recently and the, you know, the, the, the kids are awful to her. Everyone's really horrible to her. And, you know, you just think, how on earth didn't she go bonkers in that situation? T- tell us a bit about a bit about playing her and how, at the beginning, you sort of you got into the part. What did you, um, you know, how did you decide you were gonna you're going to play her? I must argue with you here about the boys. The boys were not awful to her. Boys loved her. I I don't think there was any animosity between Rhea and her boys. What I mean by that is there was always a joke at the expense of mum, wasn't there? Oh, yes. Yes. They did take the mickey out of her, uh, I suppose, yes. And her cooking was dreadful. You can't blame them for (laughs) making fun of her cooking because it really was awful. And apparently that was true, Carla. She was hopeless in the kitchen. She said, uh, the the kitchen is my enemy. (laughs) Um, And uh, she, she... uh, made Rhea be a dreadful cook as well. Um, that was part of, of um, her life, definitely. Um, so they used to take the mickey out of her about the food and everything. But I think, on the whole, the boys were quite sensitive to her predicament. The Nicholas Lindhurst character, for instance, she was very close to him. He seemed to be slightly more sensitive to his mother's needs, so she could always talk to him about things. What were those two guys like? And presumably you'd never met them before. They were very young. I think this was Nicholas Linder's sort of first big role, wasn't it? Tell us a little bit about uh, meeting uh, those two right at the very beginning. Well, we we met in rehearsal, of course, the first read-through. They were just lovely young men, full of fun, very good at their job. I thought well cast. It was always the curly-haired one and the tall, thin one. <laughs> they were always referred to by fans, um, and I thought they were they were lovely to work with. They were very disciplined and well behaved. Um, but once rehearsal was over, um, they used to rush out into the car park or wherever with a frisbee or a ball or and play games like mad and let off all that young energy 
um, typical lads, you know. There was also a contrast between them and dad as well, wasn't there? Because this was the 1970s where various interesting things were happening in the world and kids were experimenting with different things. And, and, and dad not only had this sort of, you know, he was not only sort of fed up with mum, he, he was quite fed up with the kids as well. He sort of, you know, in, in a way, Jeffrey's character was sort of um, lost in the in the middle of them all, wasn't he? Yeah, I think the thing about Jeffrey's character was that Ben, he he had not moved on with the times. He was quite old-fashioned, and he found all this that they, the boys were doing quite shocking um, and he didn't fit into it anywhere and he could never get them to fit in with him either. Um, and I felt a bit sorry for Ben because he must have felt a bit of an outcast in his own family, really. Now, had you worked with um, Geoffrey Palmer before? Because, I mean, Geoffrey has been around a long, long time. It, it, it was an actor that you'd worked with in the past. No, I'd never worked with him before. I'd always admired Jeffrey's at work, but I'd never actually worked with him before. And how did you find working with him? I mean, I know you know. I know these things. You know, it take you all, all, obviously as actors, you have to build a chemistry. But what was the chemistry there right from the right from the beginning? Well, I thought he was superbly cast. Um, he's very good at playing lugubrious, rather um, serious gentleman and um, he instantly fell into the role and was perfect for it so he was delightful to work with I might tell you that Jeffrey's not really like that at all he's great fun and um, when he smiles you know that sort of slightly bulldog expression because his whole face lights up and his eyes twinkle, and he loves to laugh, and he loves a joke. Um, and he was he was delightful to work with, very easygoing. I think it comes over the, 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 the way in which you, you all played it, you know, very naturally. Um, and that was the nice thing about it, really. I think it was, you were saying earlier on that Carla wanted to write something around, you know, out of the, the from tragedy and... And, and sort of depression and things sometimes can come comedy, and I think I think that comes over. There's a there's a reality about butterflies in that sense, and of course it, it was also tackling things that hadn't been tackled before. Here was a middle aged woman who was you know housewife. A lot of middle aged women were housewives at the time, contemplating some excitement. You know, she was actually thinking about the possibility of. You know, maybe committing adultery for heaven's sake. Women committing adultery. This this was new. This was new territory, wasn't it? Yes, it was. I'm not even sure that she wanted to commit adultery. I just think she wanted something exciting and thrilling to happen in her life. She was very bored, and she just wanted some glamour. And she wanted, yes, it would be exciting for a man a really attractive man to take notice of her. Because quite honestly, I don't think her husband paid her enough attention. And uh, that's what she was seeking. If her husband had given her that sort of attention, whisked her off to the Canary Islands on holiday or came home with exciting gifts or just told her how beautiful she was or anything. I don't think she'd have had those thoughts at all. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, a lot of women will have been in that situation. You know, I remember my mum was, you know, she was a housewife, you know, looking after me, you know, looking after my dad, making sure there was tea on the table, um, all the rest of it. And, and that was, that was to, for so many women at the time, that, that was the norm. And their bit of excitement a lot of the time was watching things on the TV, you know, the big soaps in America and things like that, Dallas and Dynasty and that kind of thing, and the glamour that came with it. And, you know, I think secretly there were a lot of women who just wanted some some entertainment, some excitement, something different. And this probably is part of Butterfly's success, that it that they, they sort of tuned into that, don't you think? Definitely. I definitely think that that, that is the key to the success of Butterflies. There were a lot of women who hankered 
after what she was hankering, you know, what Rhea was hankering for, attention, excitement, um, a rest from the awful, dreary, everyday things that go on day after day, the same things all the time. And um, I think a, a lot of women were like that. And in fact, I got so many letters from women saying it's exactly like my life. Um, it was very touching. It, we were a long way, of course, from generally from women going out to work. It was another 10, 15 years before women generally were sort of accepted as being able to go out to work and not just stay at home doing the cooking and the cleaning and, and all that kind of thing. So Carla w- with Butterflies was tapping into something, you know, fairly sort of early on. And, and I, I find that really, really interesting. It's definitely a, it's definitely a social reflection in comedy on, on life at the time. Now, tell us a bit about the funny scenes with uh, Rhea and Leonard. I mean, they were they were quite heightened in terms of the the way it was done in, in on on the TV. Of course, you know, we had we had sort of moments which were you know made into these really romantic moments in her mind and all that kind of thing. Tell us a bit about that. It was quite uh, was that fun fun to do. It was yes, and Bruce Bruce Montague who who played Leonard. He was lovely to work with, too. A great joker, a marvellous sense of humour, very personable, really nice-looking, attractive man, and uh, perfectly cast, I thought. And he was, uh, yes, he was delightful to work with. I I think he he got the essence of Leonard very well. Was it an an instant success? Because, of course, it was on BBC Two on a, I know... A Wednesday night or something about or Thursday night about nine o'clock so it was hidden away a little bit but you did manage to do four series of it but when did you realize that it was starting to be um uh, you know a, a hit as it as it were well almost instantaneously actually um it got a good press and it got very good reports from people who saw it I mean, so many people ran me up and said oh I've just caught that show you it's great we're really loving it and you just straight away people were talking about it and um stopping you in the shops and things like that and saying oh i just love that show it's so real and so true to life and so amusing um and i think quite honestly i think the bbc were a little bit nervous about putting it out on prime time on a on BBC One because because of the um, the material, but I think they, they they soon got over that. Yeah, and I mean there was a subplot, wasn't there as well? We talk about the boys, and you know this was a period where you know there's unemployment in in Britain quite high. There was lots of social issues and things. There were certain liberal things that were happening. You know, people were starting to experiment. Well, they'd been experimenting obviously in the sixties with cannabis and things like that. But all that was sort of was going on and you, you know what I mean so it, 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 as well as Rhea's issues it it tackled some of the social issues of the day maybe subtly but quietly uh, you know in the background very much so yes it was it was tackling all the social issues that um were happening at the time she 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 brought them in very subtly but with enough force for people to to say oh yeah hmm. She's dared to mention those things, you know, which was uh, quite brave of her, really. A lot of people wouldn't have touched them with a barge pole, but not our Carla. Uh, absolutely. Now, of course, Carla's known for Liverpool and liverbirds and bread and all the rest of it. But this wasn't set there, was it? This was set, I, I presume, in the in the sort of uh, in, in Middle England somewhere like, I don't know, was it Gloucestershire or somewhere like that was, was where this was set? It was set in Cheltenham. Um, and was meant to be, yes, Middle England. Did you actually record in, in Cheltenham? Were things recorded there? It was. Interesting, because I, I can't imagine there's that many TV programmes in history that have been shot in Cheltenham. <laughs> so I don't know why, because Cheltenham is a beautiful place. Yeah, really you're, absolutely, beautiful. you're absolutely right. It is a lo- lovely place, lovely place. So um, you did all these episodes of, I think it's four series of, of Butterflies, why do you think it came to an end? Was it just that Carla ran out of 
you know, material for Rhea, or do you, do you think it, you know, there just wasn't, you know, there wasn't anywhere more for her to go? Well, I think um, Carla realised that it had run its course. She couldn't think of anything more to do with it, and um, she was sad, but she explained to us that she, she had run out of um, ideas for it, and she wanted to do something else. And we were happy with that. She'd, she'd given us a, a fair go. And, of course, it had a very iconic theme tune, which, of course, was you know sung by Dolly Parton. And, and I presume there's a link between the theme tune and the storyline, you know, is it? I mean, do, do you know what that is? Is it? Is it to do with the the, the the changing shape of relationships, or what? what what's what's the? Do you know what the butterfly significance is? Yes, no, I did. Um, let me think. What Carlos said: We're all trying to catch butterflies. This is paraphrasing, by the way. We're all running about trying to catch butterflies. And then when we catch them, when we open our hand, they're all squashed inside. And I think it was really saying that we're all dreamers. We're all looking for something that we can't really have. There's a lot of truth in that. And of course, there's a link back to the actual programme itself, because I gather um, Ben collects and studies butterflies as well, which, uh, which adds to it. He was a butterfly collector, yes. Oh no. Um. Oh dear, oh dear. Oh. oh. I'm, no, this is rubbish, I'm sorry. Um, un- unexplored brains? Mm. Oh, okay. I know it's not the answer. Oh, oh well, I never. I'd, <laughs> it's a bit too highbrow for me. And it's back. The Distinct Nostalgia Mind of the Month Series 5 with the first specialist subject, the carry-on films. I can't wait. Oh, matron. Plus, we've a very special surprise involving a new role for a massive legend of soap. It's all to come this autumn and winter, only on Distinct Nostalgia. Oh, that's amazing. Thanks very much. Make sure you tell your friends about us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If nobody was told what you were meant to do, if there weren't any rules, we would be living in a totally different format. A brand new podcast featuring rarely heard voices from across the UK and around the world. Bisexuality is not really understood because people have biphobic tendencies. And the second you mention bisexual, just their ears pick up. Contemporary conversations around bisexuality. Oh, well, you're still confused, right? No, I'm not confused. We are questioned so much more than people when they come out as straight or gay. It's intense pressure of like, am I sure? You're literally like monitoring yourself. Every episode will include a very personal story as we try to paint a real picture of bisexual Britain. This is Bisexual Brunch. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. What did it do for you, Wendy? You'd, you'd been successful in other comedies. You'd done films. You'd done all sorts of things. We'll talk about one of those films in a moment, the, the one with Betty Davis, which is really interesting. I want to talk to you about a little bit about that. But um, what did Butterflies do for you? Did it sort of did it did it sort of um, catapult you to another sort of uh, refrain in terms of in terms of acting, or you know, or were you firmly at that point cast in those kind of roles, or when you think back to it, what what did um, butterflies do, do do for your career? Do you think? I think butterflies gave me probably the best role of my career, one that I felt totally at home with, one that I was very happy doing, one that I felt capable of doing, and one that had very big results from public acclaim. You know, they people seem to love butterflies, and of course. You know, it was on BBC Two, so it, was, it, it, it wouldn't get the same kind of views as BBC One, but it was getting huge viewers for BBC Two. It was, a, it was a, you know, it is one of the runaway success stories when it comes to um, um, sitcoms in this in this country. After the first series, it went on to Butterflies, went on to BBC One. That must have been a great fillet for the for the team, for the very one working on it, and a great thing for Carla to to get it something that was tackling interesting and serious things that hadn't been tackled before 
onto mainstream BBC One. Yes, absolutely. Carla went on to do all sorts of different things. I mean, she did Bread. Obviously, she'd done Liver Birds. She did a lovely series in the 90s called Love, if I remember rightly. You know, some fantastic writing there. But she was on her own for a long time, wasn't she, as a female writer in sitcom? There were... There weren't many, you know, you've got the men dominating things like Eric Chappell and uh, Roy Clark and, and um, you know, the, the, the guys who did things like Dad's Army and all the rest of it. Um, so she was a woman doing this kind of thing at a time when there weren't many other women around. She was having to sort of shout loud about the, the, her ideas and things. So just looking back on Carla, because obviously, sadly, we, we lost her a few years ago, didn't we? You know, how do you see her in terms of her status as a as a writer in 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 this country oh i place her very high i think she was a brilliant writer her dialogue when i look at the old scripts uh, her writing it wasn't as i say it was like sort of heightened dialogue it was quite poetic and in actual fact carla was a poet she did write some beautiful poetry had lot of poetry published um and it can that comes out in her comedy writing she was very special she was unique i don't think there's anybody being quite like carla no i have i have to agree i think she was very unique and you know all her comedy every one of them actually um probably Apart from bread, I wasn't that I wasn't as keen on bread as I was on all the others. Maybe there were certain Liverpoolisms that I didn't quite understand, but the rest of them I think were were extremely good. So, well, it's great to talk to you about butterflies. I mean, that obviously was a, a you know a, a big part of your your successful career, and it's a it's a show which I think still stands the test of time. But before you did butterflies, before you did all those great comedies in the in the, in the sixties and seventies. When you were a young girl, you did a film with Betty Davis, which I only saw recently for the first time. It's a very strange film, quite a weird film, called The Nanny. Tell us a little bit about that. What do, what do you remember of that? Well, I remember being very excited about working with Betty Davis for a start. She was a huge star, and um, it was really thrilling to be actually on the set with Betty Davis, because she was somebody that my mother had admired and adored, you know, and uh, never thought the day would come when I'd actually be on the set with her. It was, yes, it was, it was a hammer horror. It was a hammer horror film. And she came over from America to do this. She insisted on doing her own makeup. And hence, you've got these huge, heavy eyebrows that she used to draw on every day. But she was very pleasant to work with. I liked her a lot. We were all terrified of her when she first came in case, uh, you know, she was going to throw the starry bit and be difficult. But in actual fact, when she found that we were all right with her and right behind her and wanted to help her and, and not outdo her in any way, she settled and was really delightful to work with and great fun as well. She used to, one of her favorite things was because, um, she was playing this nanny. She had these big navy blue bloomers on under her dress. And every so often she'd pick up her skirt and, and do the can can. <laughs> Remind us of, of your part in that because you were a young girl at the time. Remind us of, of your role. Well, I was playing again a rather sad married woman who was pushed around by her husband. She was quite a weak, sad creature. Her daughter had died in in an accident. I think it was in the bath, if I remember rightly. She drowned or something awful. Um, so she was extremely depressed lady. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I just seem to remember all was on the script. There was in brackets, uh, stage directions, tears for, uh, I forget what the name was of the lady I played, but anyway, um, she was always crying. She was always in tears. Um, um, but it was, it was a good role. I mean, I would have played anything to be in a film with Betty Davis. When you look back at it, that must be a, 
a real career highlight and, and to do that, you know, so young as well, to be appearing alongside um, Betty Davis. I mean, uh, fantastic, fantastic memories. Was it a film that took quite a while to make or, what, what, you know, because it was done done over here, wasn't it? That, as you say, that you came over here for it. I think it took about three weeks to make. It was three weeks to a month. Mm-hmm. And, and was it popular? I don't know. I can't remember. I think so. Yeah, I think I think fans of horror movies liked it, and fans of Betty Davis liked it. Yeah, and and she does she does play the role very well. I mean, it's uh, it's definitely a great part for her, isn't it? Oh, it's a wonderful part for her. She's super in it. Mm, yes, I remember Jill Bennett was in it as well. She played my sister, and everyone said that was terrific casting because we looked exactly the same. After all that, after butterflies, you. There seems to be a bit of a theme around nannies, doesn't there? Because you you did you did nanny in uh, in in the early part of the nineteen eighties, the series Nanny, which I remember quite a lot actually, because I was a little boy at the time. But I was about I was about nine or ten when that first started. And I do remember this being a big a big role. I think it was a, a if I remember right, it was it was wasn't it a BBC One drama on a on a Saturday night? It was it was prime time, wasn't it? What do, what do you remember about that? It was, um, yes, it was prime time. It was uh, in a very good position, very good slot. Nannies, that was an idea I had. And I wrote the format for it and uh, outlined a few of the first stories. And um, I never thought for one moment it would take off, but it did. That, that's, a, that's amazing. And it, it comes in the, tr- the similar tradition, I suppose, as Call a Midwife, in a way. People like that kind of that kind of drama around, uh, you know, children and bringing kids up and all the, all the rest of it. And, uh, of course, it was set in the 1930s, which is always an interesting period. Had you, was, that your, um, was that your idea to set it in, in, in that period? Well, that was the time, you know, when nannies ruled the roost, really. <laughs> I mean, anyone who had any money at all and had children, they always had nannies to help them with the children or even just hand them over to the children, hand the children over to them. Yes, I mean, that was the right period for it, really, historically speaking. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I mean, all those, that, you know, the history is, is fantastic. I remember watching it and, and, and a lot of the history of the 1930s was, was brought to life extremely well. It was a great, a great series to watch. One, you know, one of the one of the best, I think, of, of the of the dramatic things that you've done. But you again, you return to that kind of sort of theme again of of, of nursing and nannying and all the rest of it. Of course, in more recent times, in 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 the royal, didn't you? Yeah, the royal. I played the matron. Yes, another nice part to be asked to play I must say I've been very fortunate in my career um, and that lasted quite a long time I think we were doing that for about five years uh, it was even longer than that it was, it was around ten actually in the end oh was it? my goodness yeah well there you go mm. and of course of course it was done in Yorkshire wasn't it as well which meant you could you, you could uh, engage with all that great uh, great scenery too it's done in a disused hospital in Bradford. That was where the set was. It was lovely. We had a ready-made hospital. And then the outside scenes were shot in Scarborough, which is a place I adore. Yeah, no, br- brilliant. I mean, that's the great thing, isn't it? Yorkshire has given birth to so many great television programmes, when you think about it, and it's still doing the same today. We've just had the, the, the remake, haven't we, of... Um, of all creatures great and small it seems it seems yorkshire can do no wrong when it comes to uh, it comes to the small screen oh yeah absolutely well let's face it it's a very beautiful place and there are some wonderful places to film and also some really sort of dark towns which, which can look a bit threatening with mills and things like that so they've they've got the lot there. It, it, you're right, it, you know, and and the colours, uh, not just the countryside, but the the colours of the Yorkshire stone when it's gone a little bit dirty. You know, the dark dark Yorkshire stone, the Pennines. Um, you're right. It's a, it's a wonderful. I'm from Yorkshire, so I I will always speak proudly about about Yorkshire. You you've had a lots of people, lots of actors and actresses 
you know, have great careers and whatever. But it, it strikes me that apart from being slightly typecast as a mother and maybe a, a nurse nanny kind of character, you've had a real eclectic mix of parts and characters to play. You've been you've been pretty lucky, haven't you? I have really, and I mean, in the theatre, um, I played all sorts of parts. Uh, that took me well away from nannies and mothers and things. And I did work with some marvellous people. I mean, I worked with um, Peter O'Toole in the theatre and Richard Harris. Yeah, I had some wonderful opportunities, not just in television. No, absolutely. You've done some fantastic stuff. Um, When you look at comedy today, specifically comedy, because, you know, we were talking mainly about butterflies, there doesn't seem to be many sort of sitcoms that blaze a trail anymore. For me, there doesn't seem to be a great deal of observational comedy. I, I watch a, There's one I watch from Scotland called um, Two Doors Down with Elaine C. Smith, which I think is fantastic, but he doesn't get promoted particularly well. Um, we, we, we don't seem to be as successful at comedy as we used to be. I, mean, I don't know whether you feel that, but you think there's a reason for that, and that you know what do you think um, we should do? I mean, do we do we just not laugh as much at ourselves as as as, as we used to? I think it's in the writing. I think we're short of good comedy writers. I must say, I love Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She's a marvelous writer. I think there are some good writers around, but not that many. And, and do you think another reason is probably because? In the in the past, we were more, in a way, more prepared to take the odd risk. You know, Carla took a risk with butterflies, and it was on BBC Two, hidden away a little bit, and it it paid off. But today, we we don't seem to be always prepared to take the the same kind of risks. People want instant success, don't they? Um. Oh, I don't know. I don't think I can answer that. I don't know what the reason is. Um. I mean, for instance. There's a lovely show called Car Share. I don't know if you ever saw that. Yes, you ever yes. See Car brilliant, Share? brilliant, yeah. Marvellous. I absolutely loved it. It made me laugh. It made me cry. I thought it was really good. There are some good people around and um, there's some good work being done, but not as much as there was. And I think the genre has, has gone out of fashion. No, I, think, I think you're right. I think you're right. And I think there is a serious side in the sense that people are, People are find are find it difficult to laugh at. Obviously, you know they can't laugh at certain topics anymore. It, it's it's quite hard. But the thing you you mentioned, Karsha, of course, was Peter Kay, who who is who is brilliant. And as you you're right in saying, it was a fantastic series. Um, but of course, he puts everything into that himself. And it was one of those things whereby you know he only did so many because you know he felt that um, he didn't want to exhaust it really. And but it, but yeah, you're right, absolutely. Um, a great format of just two people in a car. Which is which is which was brilliant um, in itself, and and again, it was all about the you know it's all about the dialogue, and we things aren't necessarily always about the dialogue today. It's often action and things. Whereas you know, car share was about the dialogue, and it worked very well, didn't it? Yes, and it was watching the development of the relationship, which was so interesting and exciting. Watching this friendship develop from nothing, you know, to being very, very close. It was most beautifully handled. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Wendy, are you are you still doing stuff now? Are you still working? Oh, I don't do a great deal now. Um, I do things from time to time, but uh, um, I haven't worked since lockdown, let's put it like that. Oh, yes, I have. I've done a, a sound recording, yeah. They do recording, sound recordings of various... Things and this was uh, Doctor Who. It was a sound recording of Doctor Who, which I did just before lockdown. Oh no, we were in lockdown. I was in a studio all by myself. That's right. I'm trying to remember now. So long ago. <laughs> and I was in a studio all by myself, except for one other person. And I was in a booth, and everyone else in the show, you could hear them on your headset. Um, it was really weird, but it worked. I think the voices can really get across so much every kind of emotion and um i just love working in sound um wendy it's been lovely to talk to you especially about butterflies but also you know to hear the fascinating stories of, 
about uh, Betty Davis. I mean, that, that is, that, you know, it's classical, really, really wonderful. So uh, thank you very much for talking to us and, uh, you know, keep safe in, in lockdown. Thank you very much. It's been such a pleasure. New to Distinct Nostalgia. Dale, how the hell did I end up here? Based on a true story. What choice do you have? Tell the world that Rock Hudson is gay? You're a good-looking kid. I don't have anyone else on my books like you. How about I start to represent you? A moving 40-minute drama based on the life and career of Rock Hudson. Yes! Good boy. You just made the best decision of your life. Written by Tim Fountain and starring Michael Xavier and Betty Bourne. Rock! Rock? Strong. Masculine. Rock Fitzgerald? Not Fitzgerald. Sounds Irish. Nebraska, Washington, Hudson. Hudson. What about Rock Hudson? Get your coat on. I'm going to introduce Rock Hudson to Hollywood. Listen here on the Distinct Nostalgia podcast or go to distinctnostalgia.com. We got to do something about your voice, kid. We're going to snap your vocal cords. What? Ah. Uh, louder. Ah. Uh, louder. Uh. Rock. Winner of the BBC's first ever online audio drama award. Look, Dale. I'm dying of this godforsaken disease and pretty soon thousands, maybe millions, will die the same way. Distinct Nostalgia is produced by MIM. And you can hear lots more programmes via the Distinct Nostalgia player. There's Hartley Hare and a Pitkins reunion. So, Hartley, nice yes, to hello. meet you. Can, nice I, can, I, can I shake you can your shake paw? shake my hand, yes. Is it a paw or well, a hand? it's a paw, really. It's I paw. call it a hand. <laughs> I remember you going to the dentist. <laughs> oh, yes, I went to the dentist once. And you weren't very one. happy about it, no, were you? No, I wasn't you? very happy about it. I hated it. Corrie and Carry On star Amanda Barry remembers being a children's TV presenter in the 70s. Because it was live, they were always either overrunning or underrunning, so there were mad people waving at you. Mm. I remember one day we were really underrunning running so i hopped on the wall and walked along it oh i got in such trouble they said you are teaching children to walk on walls we're back in hartley to meet the original female inspectors from juliet bravo so when you come to do any filming you've got this skirt on and this jacket and the coat was cold the hat the first hat we wore wasn't reinforced it wasn't a helmet and i had a handbag no pockets. There wasn't a single pocket in my jacket. I mean, talk about ill-equipped. <laughs> and there's even an appearance from Gonzo in our great Muppets reunion. Dr. Gutnick works on me. I've had my nose lifted. I've had, you know, everything fixed. Everything's been lifted. <laughs> These programmes and many more are all available now at distinctnostalgia.com. Get in touch via the Contact Us page on the website. Bye for now. Distinct Nostalgia is brought to you in partnership with Life Rooms and Mersey Care NHS Foundation Trust. We've lots of activities for you to do at home at liferooms.org. Staying well, staying home.